Turn in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1. We're going to uh, redo, no, uh, the whole book of Ecclesiastes. No, that's not true. We kind of are, but uh, uh, I was thinking uh, a couple of things. I uh, hope you enjoyed our new song that we sang. Uh, hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Um, Zach is, uh, was correct in, uh, in that people are looking for hope. They're looking for something, something that will make their life worth living. Uh, they're looking for some silver bullet or some next mountain or something that will somehow make it all worthwhile. And uh, unfortunately, they, they sing a song like that all the time. Hope has a name. Uh, and then they insert whatever it is they're chasing after. That's what they have hope in. And unfortunately, we're going to look at the book of Ecclesiastes in an uh, overview sort of way. Uh, we'll see that that hope is unfounded. Uh, it's not the place you should put your hope. And so it leaves people wanting. Uh, it, it leaves people empty. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And apart from him, there will be this fumbling around through life, chasing after things, searching and striving after the wind. Uh, you will be looking, and you won't find it. Uh, we could stand and give testimony here today, couldn't we? Of things that we've chased after, things that we've longed for, and it hasn't worked. Um, I, I think uh, this morning, as I was, as I, this morning, as, as I'm going to share, uh, as I've been thinking about an overview of the book of Ecclesiastes, I, I keep coming up with words like secrets, like the secret stuff. But uh, one of the things, one of the you know, things that marked me in my life, it's nothing big or anything, but I, I always think about it all the time, is that first week of junior high. Actually, the first two weeks of junior high. And the junior high I went to, Lacalina Junior High. Did anybody else go to Lacalina Junior High? Thank you. Thank you, Chris. I hope you, I hope you're here for me. Uh, so uh, we got two, not, not one, but two lockers. Two lockers. And if you get two lockers, you have two locker combinations. And it, it was the complicated kind, right? A couple of times this way, you got to pass it through, and then you got to nail it right on there, and then you got another number, and then you got another number. And so I had six of those numbers, and you felt like you were cracking the safe at some bank or something like that because it was so difficult. And for two weeks, two weeks, I couldn't get either of my lockers open. And it was stressful. Like I remember uh, getting the, the combinations and going, and everyone was watching me in the whole school while I tried to do this. I thought that's the way I felt. But, uh, and, and it was this complicated thing, and there was this frustration of I can't get it open. Um, I'm not talking about those kind of locks. I'm not talking about those kind of secrets. It's just the simple one with the numbers, four numbers across. You flip it up, it's somebody's birthday or something like that. And I, I feel like so many times we're like people with that combination lock that we're, we're yanking on it. We're yanking on it. And 
we're trying different numbers and we're yanking on it again. And we're saying, I just can't do it. Why is life so hard for me? And it's as if God says, well, you're using the wrong numbers. And and it's not a secret. It's not a secret. I've given you my word. And the reason that life is so frustrating for you and it's empty and hollow because you're doing it wrong. If you just do it my way, you'd find life to be a joy. You'd find life to be successful. I'll help you through all those, those difficult things. And there are many. And so this morning, as we look to God's Word, I have the, uh, I don't know, I can't remember what I put on uh, your, your notes this morning, but it, 10 clarifying lessons of life from Ecclesiastes, and I keep going, for the easily deceived, that's me and you. And really, there's 11 this morning. I had to get that last one in. Okay, 11. There were more, but I was trimming it down. I wanted 10, but then there turned out to be 11. I don't know how that happened. So these, are, these could be called the secrets of life, but they're just found in His Word. If you look other places, you're not going to find these. And so uh, these are for us here today. Bear Valley Springs, wherever you're going through, these are for us. It starts, uh, number one, number one, these uh, clarifying lessons of life where they easily deceived. Life will show itself to be vanity, meaningless, and fleeting. Life will show itself to be vanity, vanity, meaningless, and fleeting. That's what life will look like. In the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2, uh, he begins the book of Ecclesiastes with the grand pounding theme, vanity of vanities, or meaninglessness, or emptiness, or fleeting the, the things of life. And in, in the struggle to find hope, and the, the struggle to find whether it's worth it, uh, we get this important lesson for us that life will show itself to be vanity, meaningless, and fleeting. Um, In the book of Ecclesiastes, this theme comes up like 20 plus times. It keeps coming back to this over and over. These very words or a variation on this that comes back to it over and over again. And the reality is, if we have eyes for it, if we have eyes for it, you could see it this week, right? You could see it this afternoon. You could see it in your family and your pursuits and the things that are around and the things you've worked really hard on and the things you haven't worked hard on, meaningless, meaningless. You'd you'd see it everywhere that it's fleeting. Your successes, they vanish in an instant. And uh, your your hopes and the things that we put, it just goes and goes and goes. And so for us, um, and and by the way, uh, for the easily deceived, that's you and I, Oh, that's you and I. We're easily deceived. Um, these lessons are easily forgotten. These lessons are easily forgotten. But I want to tell you, if we remember them, they will be instructive to our day. They'll transform our lives. 
they'll change the way we look at the the uh, the days and moments that we have. It, it'll be helpful for us. It will grant us peace and success, and it will help us and fit us for heaven. And so these clarifying lessons uh, are meant for us to get, and then for it to transform our heart and be applied uh, today, this afternoon, and this week. Okay. Um, the way these go, well, there's a lesson, but there's a personal part of it too. I will or I won't. What will this lesson cause me to do? And in the first one, I, this seeing that life will show itself to be uh, vain or meaningless and fleeting, uh, it'll cause us to say in our hearts to ourselves, I won't look for meaning in the meaningless. I won't look for meaning in the meaningless. That'd be helpful, right? That'd be helpful. If this week, this afternoon, if we wouldn't search for meaning in the meaninglessness of this life, that we wouldn't look. So, so why? Why is that a good lesson? Because um, it'll be frustrating for you and me if we look for the answers in the wrong places, right? And so... Uh, as a result, or as we come together, as we think through the book of Ecclesiastes, you can say to yourself, I'm not going to look for meaning in that which is meaningless. Number two, uh, life is empty and will remain empty even when stuff is accomplished, money is attained, and pleasure is for a moment found. Life is empty and will remain empty. One of the other great, great thing, themes that come out in chapter 2, and I, I try to put these in order so we can just kind of flip through the scriptures, okay? Chapter 2, verse 11. Um, and as you think through uh, the, the first two or three uh, chapters, uh, Solomon has talked about all the great things that he has done, and he was the greatest. He was the greatest. People would have thought of him as the greatest, the richest, the most powerful. Uh, He had the stuff that everyone else looked at wanting the stuff, right? Um, And what he said in chapter 2, verse 11, he says, Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Empty. Empty. Uh, most of us here don't have it all, right? We have it all. We, we don't have it all. There, there's something out there. And there, if there's something out there, maybe something on the other side of the hill, we can't see it yet, and yet we're striving for it. And we think that, you know, we think in our mind, my life would be great if, if I get this thing. If I... If I attain this something, if I work hard and I get this, then my life would be great. It says that he, as he had considered all this, and this theme comes up over and over, as he looked, as he saw, th- these are some of the words that you looking, seeing, considering, uh, dwelling upon. He, he says, I, I did that. When I considered all that my hands had done and all the toil that I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. 
the stuff that we do, uh, the things that we can accomplish, the money that we can amount or uh, get a pile of it, uh, all those things, even even the pleasure, even the pleasure of uh, partying it up and even physical pleasure of uh, sensuality, he says there's nothing to be gained. There's nothing to be gained. That too, that too will be empty. Uh, how important is that? What, what will that matter for you and for me? You can say to yourself, as I should say to myself, I won't chase after the stuff that is fleeting. I won't chase after it. As I'm thinking through my afternoon, my days, my week, as I make my schedule, as I make my priorities, as I, I won't chase after it. I won't chase after that which is fleeting. Because when I catch it, when I catch it, it won't be worth it. I might catch it, but like there's this sense of looking at now what do I do with it? Is this all there is? Life is empty and will remain empty even when stuff is accomplished, money is attained, pleasure is found for a moment. Number three. Uh, chapter two, verse twenty-six. Uh, once again, bringing up this same thing. He said it in the previous section as well. Um, but I think there's an added thing. Is it, uh, I would just title it like this. Life without God is striving after the wind. Is striving after the wind. Life without God. Life without Him. Life without Him being the one you're desiring to please, the one you want to speak to, the one you want fellowship with. In the same thought of gaining stuff and uh, having accomplishments, in chapter 2, verse 26, a, a, a sense of conclusion, a, a little bit of hope in this. He says this, he says, For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom, knowledge, and joy. The things we want, right? Wisdom, knowledge, those are the good things, right? Wisdom, knowledge, joy. But to the sinner... He has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. When do you finish? When do you finish striving after the wind? When have you accomplished what it is you're seeking? He says, uh, and, and God places himself as the one overall on this, right? He says, to the one who pleases me, I give you things. I give you that fullness of life that you're chasing after. Wisdom, knowledge, joy. But to the sinner, the selfish one who grabs for things for themselves, what does that look like? Well, but to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is a vanity and a striving after the wind. What a, what a picture, right? If you work so hard and sacrificed for your business, and then God says, I'm going to take your business, and I'm going to hand it to someone who hasn't worked for it. It's not fair. He says, no, 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 I'm in charge of everything. I'm in charge of everything. You say, well, I've worked hard for it. Yeah, but you haven't worked to please me, so I take from you. Uh, it's not a Robin Hood type thing, by the way. It's that God owns it all anyways. And it's his hand of blessing. That he extends. I choose to bless. 
You look at this and you realize that life without God is striving after the wind. Once again, I think some of us could give testimony to that, right? Pursuits without Him. What do they look like? How do they work out? Uh, I think we could give a pretty long list of uh, witnesses, testimonies uh, to the fact that life without God is just striving after the wind. What's the conclusion? What should we say in our heart? Say to ourselves, I will fill my life with the stuff that pleases God. I realize I'm saying stuff a lot because it's very vast. It's a bunch of different things, right? Uh, your pursuits are probably as uh, um, diverse as we have people here this morning. And I want to tell you that whatever that is, whatever those things that are laid out before you, those are the things you, you want to fill your life with that which pleases God. As you make your schedule, as you make your priorities, as you as parents and grandparents think through what your life is all about, to ask the question, God, what do you want? I want what you want. I want what pleases you. I want to fill my, my home, my life, my schedule. I want to fill it all with that which pleases you. And really knowing that that's best for us as well. Number four, uh, chapter five, verse 18. And this theme comes up over and over again. These passages that I bring out, um, I think all of them are found other places in the book of Ecclesiastes, not even to mention the rest of Scripture. But in uh, chapter 5, verse 18, well, I would say it this way. Life is meant for work, and work is meant to be enjoyed. Life is meant for work, and work is meant to be enjoyed. Chapter 5, verse 18, um, he says, Behold, uh, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat, drink, and to find enjoyment in all the toil which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Uh, it's stunning when you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, it's maybe un-American even, that it's not just work and then play. It's not just work and then play and work so hard that you, don't ha- you can play and you don't have to work anymore. Uh, that's the picture of America. But the picture of the Scripture says this. We're to work. We're to work. We're to find ourselves busy doing something that's productive. We are to work. Life is meant for to be productive. And work is meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be enjoyed. Not because you got what you wanted, but because God has given you the opportunity to live and to be with Him. And so in the midst of hard work or toil, as it uses the word in the Scripture, in the midst of that, that's where we're to find enjoyment, find that, uh, that simple idea of eating and drinking and finding enjoyment in the midst of our day, in our toil, uh, which we toil under the sun, the, these few days of this life that God has granted. This is our lot. This is where we are. And so for us, to not run from work, and as we work, 
to find enjoyment in it, to say, Lord, what have you done? What, what, did it, what is it for me to enjoy this day that you've given me to work? I know we struggle with this. I struggle with this sometimes. And so we need to say to ourselves, I will work. I will work and enjoy the opportunity that God has given me today. I will work and enjoy God's blessing of this day and what He has granted for me. Number five. Life is to be occupied with joy that comes from God. That same passage, chapter 5, and it, uh, 5 verse 20, uh, there's this really life-changing verse that, that says this. He says, He's speaking of the days of life. He's speaking of um, a man's uh, lot and how he goes about his days, his months, his years. And then in verse 20, he says, For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. Remember way back, way, way back in chapter 5 when I preached through this, you get this picture of the regrets of life. The things I wish I would have done differently. The, the sins of the past that haunt us and, and this and that. And you say, how do I deal with that? Well, you deal with it with God. You let Him take care of it because you can't take care of it. You can't put those things to rest. You can't wash them away. But how do you deal with regret and the sins of the past? Real simply, you walk with God today. And what is that? It's joy that He gives you today should be the occupation of your heart. Life is to be occupied with the joy that comes from God. If you look for joy from your past, it'll haunt you. You'll have to make up stories. And then family and friends will show up and go, that's not how that happened. You know, You'll be telling a story at Thanksgiving and, and, and about how great you were. When, and, and your brother or sister or your mom or dad will say, what are you talking about? I was there. I saw that. I want to tell you, how do you deal with those things? Joy that comes from God today. Joy that's found in Him. That's found in Him. This is how a life is meant to be lived. And so what do you say to yourself? You say, I will busy myself with the joys of life that come from God. I will busy myself with them. I will fill my thoughts. I will praise Him. You know, I, I always think about that as we sing, that it's just overwhelming what God has done for us in His Son Jesus. It's overwhelming. And, and, and we want to sing our own praises, but there's nothing to sing about. Uh, so we sing about Him. So we sing about Him and what He's done. And so for us, I would encourage us uh, to say, I'll busy myself with the joys of life that God has given me. Number six. Number six. One of the great themes of the book of Ecclesiastes is that life is temporary. Life is temporary. That uh, the accomplishments are fleeting, but life is temporary. There's this focus on the end. There's this idea that life has 
a shelf life, if you will, right? It's, it d- won't last forever. And so as we think about this, you turn over to chapter 9, verse 3. Some of these uh, passages that speak of uh, death, boy, they kind of rip our hearts out sometimes how frankly he says it. And, and, but it's important that we know that, right? Because it will help us this week. Chapter 9, verse 3, uh, as we look at this, uh, you say, well, why is it important for me to think about death? Well, it's important for you to think about death because you don't know when it's coming, but you also know that it is coming uh, and to be prepared. Uh, He refers to it as an evil. um, Chapter 9, verse 3, he says, this is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also the hearts of children of man are full of evil and madness and is in their hearts while they live and after that they go to the dead. It's this idea that you can't escape it. Uh, Some of us have thought by clean living and by having the right health care, we can somehow escape death. That's not very smart if we're thinking that way. Uh, because the healthcare isn't that great, and that most of us know that uh, our, we have a lifespan. It won't last forever. As we look at this, we realize that that makes our life down here temporary. Temporary. And what should we say to ourselves? Maybe something like this. Maybe something like, I will not squander this day because life is short. Life is short. I I need to think through what's going on today because my life is short. We don't know how short. We just know that we are temporary. This life is temporary. Number seven. Number seven. You want to turn over to chapter 11, verse 8. Chapter 11, verse 8. This is a hard one. Life won't be what we wanted or what we ordered. What we ordered. Um, I'm not asking who are the high maintenance people here at Bear Valley Church, but how many of you have ever sent your meal back? Come on, there's more of you. It wasn't cooked the way you wanted it or you wanted asparagus instead of beans or whatever it was and and you you looked at it and you go this isn't what i ordered by the way i think you should by the way i think you should if if you ordered something and you're planning on paying for it if you're not planning on paying for it maybe there's a different question there but um but this idea that you get what you ordered you get what you ordered i'm paying for this i i get what i ordered and some of us the problem with that is some of us take that over to our lives and we think that uh uh, God's like our waiter that he comes to our table and says, what will you be having this day? What will you be having this day? And you say, well, I would like some sunshine. Not too hot, though. Not too hot, though. And then I would like uh, a nice breeze in the afternoon. And then I would like all my family to show up with good attitudes, with good attitudes. And, and, and we order God to give us the life that we want and think we deserve. Uh, as we look at this, we see in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, 
not just in one place, uh, but in many. But in chapter 11, and uh, this particular uh, passage uh, just was striking to me. Uh, chapter 11, as he's speaking of those who uh, would have many years, those who would live a long time. Um, he, he says this, he says, uh, So if you're a person who lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. The days of darkness will be many. And why is that important to remember? Uh, because some of us wake up in the morning and you say, wait a minute, I didn't order this one. Wait a minute, I'd like to send it back until it improves, improve this one and then come check in with me again. Why is that important for you to remember? Well, because there will be many dark days. Many. Some of you are going through them right now. Right now. You're going through trials that, that you want to send back. You want to send back and say, this was meant for my neighbor. Return to sender, right? Uh, got the wrong address. Life won't, won't be what we wanted or ordered. And so we say to ourselves, I, I won't be surprised by days that are not to my liking. I will not be surprised. Why is that important? Because today might be that day. There might be one this week, maybe five, right? Uh, you, you don't know. You don't know. And for you to say to yourself, God told me about this already. He let me know. He gave me the, the secret. He, he shared with me the combination. I know about this. So I'm prepared for it. I won't be surprised by days that are not to my liking. Number eight. Number eight. Uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Life is given by God. Life is given by God. In chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Remember. Remember Him. Remember that He is the life giver. Uh, it, it doesn't say just remember God, but remember Him as your Creator. I think about that all the time with the kids, mainly because I don't know what else to say at the surprise box here. But I think it's one of the most important things for kids to know is that they were created by God. They were placed in the family they are in. This is what God, This day is what God has for them. He didn't make a mistake if their hair was this color or that color. He, he, he knew about that and that was part of His plan. And we don't always know why, but we know this, that we are called to remember our Creator. Why? Because He is the giver of life. I look at this and I, I love it because it, it's so uh, clarifying to me of, of what's most important and what isn't. And so I, I need to say to myself, because life is given by God, I, I, need, I need to say, I won't think of myself as the king of my own destiny. I'm not the king. I'm not the king of this church. I'm not the king of my home. I'm not the king of my marriage. I'm not even the king of my own life. 
My life has been given to me by a creator who knows what's best. I won't think of myself as looking at that. Number nine. That life should be lived fearing God and doing what he says. In that same chapter, chapter 13, coming to conclusion of the book, he says the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Fear God, uh, to be in right relationship with him, to not uh, think of him as someone you boss around, but someone you fear and desire to please. To look to him and ask the question, what does he think of my life that I'm living right now? And in knowing this, that we would say, I will keep it simple. I will keep it simple by fearing him alone and doing what he says. Why is that simple? Well, because it's not trying to please everyone. Because everyone's going to have a different opinion. Everyone's going to have different marching orders. Everyone's going to ring a different bell and want you to respond right now. But for us to keep it simple and say, I only have one. I have one that I listen to. It's him. And what do you do? I do what he says. I do what he says. I'm not one that argues with him. I'm not one that says, that's a neat idea, but I've got a better idea. Have you, have you heard of this, God? Uh, what about this? Have you thought about this? No. I fear him. I'm in single relationship with him. And then I do what he says. I do what he says. I will keep it simple by fearing him alone and doing what he says. Number 10. Number 10. The last verse in the book of Ecclesiastes. Life ends answering to God. Over and over again. This comes up in the book of Ecclesiastes. Your life and my life ends answering to God. Because he's the creator, because he's the one who has the plan, because he is the one who sustains us, because he is the one who has set up this life, he is the one we answer to. The last verse says this, For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And for us to say this, I will remember that in the end, I will answer to him. I will answer to him. I won't answer uh, to family members. I won't answer to my boss. I won't answer even to my spouse or my children or my parents, my government. I, I won't answer to any of them. I will answer to him. Number 11. doesn't have anything to do with the book of Ecclesiastes, really. Life is more than under the sun. Life is more than under the sun. The book of Ecclesiastes, over and over again, there's this caveat to all this meaninglessness. It's that it's under the sun. It's under the sun. It's down here. It's down here. It's, it's that there's meaninglessness down here because if this is all there is, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. In John chapter 14, verse 6, many of you know it. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said that. He says, if you want to find meaning, if you want to find life, if you find, want to find the way out of under the sun living, it's me. It's me. And so we say to ourselves, 
knowing that under the sun's just not going to work. It's just not going to be enough. <laughs> Say, I will trust in Jesus. I will trust in Jesus. I'll look to him. I'll, I'll, I'll confess to him. I will come to him. I will uh, hand him over the pieces and parts of my life. I will trust in Jesus. We sing about that. We celebrate about that here. We, it's the reason that we go on. It's not just about living our best life now. It's about us. It's about us preparing to be with him forever. So I will trust in Jesus. Let me pray for us now. God, thank you for the rich study in the book of Ecclesiastes. The preacher, the message from you. The the words that come from you about this life. God, I pray that you would continue to mark us with the things that we've been able to study these last months. God, I ask that you would uh, change our lives. You'd remind us of this, that these life lessons would be instructive for our days. And not just our days under the sun, but that they would help us, uh, fit us for heaven. God, help us to trust in your son, Jesus, uh, the only one that will get us to heaven, the only one that will cleanse us from our sins, the only one will make us in right relationship with you. But thank you for your church. Uh, glorify yourself in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A couple things. A couple things. Uh, the first thing is this. Uh, this next month, maybe five Sundays, I don't know yet. Not that there's five Sundays, but I might leak into December. Uh, we're we're going to go through a series of words to be thankful for. And uh, they're words of the gospel. They're words of the good news. And we're going to take one each Sunday. And we're going to look at uh, our predicament, really how bad it really was. And then we're going to talk about how God gave us this word and applied it to our lives and to our church. And so I, I, I'm real excited about it. Uh, I think that it will stir our hearts to truly be thankful for Jesus. Um, and then secondly, I want, want you to join me over in the fellowship hall. We're going to eat cake because uh, it's pastor appreciation. I appreciate you guys. So uh, I'll meet you over in the fellowship hall. See you next week.